It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Kat Timph. I'm Bill Hemmer. I'm Harris Faulkner. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Friday, September 23rd, 2022. I'm Chris Foster. Former President Trump's legal trouble could turn off some voters and motivate others. It will rally some people to him who feel like, hey, what's happening is proving his accusations uh, and his assertions correct. Um, But there are others who will say there's just too much baggage. We're speaking with Fox News Sunday host Shannon Bream. I'm Lisa Brady. The Fed's fight with inflation is hitting anyone with debt in the wallet. And it won't be over anytime soon. If you're not paying this debt right now, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And I'm Jimmy Fallon. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. There's been a legal pig pile on former President Trump this week. New York State Attorney General Letitia James suing over claims he falsified property values, a suit he calls politically motivated. I actually thought that they would never bring a case, and she brought it. And the reason I thought, because she didn't have a case. And then a federal appeals court overruled the Florida judge's ban on the Justice Department reviewing classified material taken from his Florida home. He tells Fox's Sean Hannity he declassified all of that. It doesn't have to be a process, as I understand it. You know, there's different people say different things. But as I understand, there doesn't have to be. If you're the president of the United States, you can declassify just by saying um, it's declassified, even by thinking about it. Because you're sending it to Mar-a-Lago or to wherever you're sending it. And besides the legal ramifications, there's the politics to consider. This actually tends to work for President Trump uh, in that, you know, his argument has been all along that the establishment is out to get me. There's a deep state out to get me and that they don't want me here because I represent you. Shannon Breams, the host of Fox News Sunday. This lends a lot of passion to those who would support him along those lines of his argument. So, you know, the the DOJ, the others who are involved, the New York Attorney General, they have to think about all sides of this, whether there will be a political benefit to him and rally his base. And they're pretty fired up anyway. So I think, you know, for most of these elections, we know it's about that small percentage in the middle that is persuadable one way or the other. So you got to think about how this plays to them, whether they say, oh, politics is a mess is so ugly and dirty and don't want to get involved, I'm going to stay home? Or, you know, what do these investigations mean? Is there more I need to know? And maybe the Democrats are the way to go. Um, I think the hardcore base, though, that is supporting President Trump, I think is only going to be rallied by this. This is just one poll, but there's this USA Today poll out this week that had um, Republicans just in Florida with Governor Ron DeSantis preferred to Donald Trump. This was the other way around in January. Uh, Are you surprised at all that Trump hasn't tried to take a little bit of the wind out of DeSantis's sails? They, they, I think, might be our traditional definition of frenemies. Um, I think that they both know that they can gain a lot from each other, but they may turn into rivals at some point about this 2024 presidential election. They live in the same state. They're going to have a lot of the same friends and donors and voters are going to be, for the most part, if they like one, they like the other. Um, they agree on a lot of policy positions. The way they carry them out is a little bit different, um, but they're almost totally on the same page when it comes to policy. So for the president, 
president, former president, to kind of keep rattling his saber about making his announcement about running again in 24. It's a little dance. I feel like we're sort of watching with those who would potentially get in, you know, whether the president gets in or not. I think you look to the Ron DeSantis's, the Mike Pompeo's, the Nikki Haley's, the Tim Scott's. There are a lot of other folks out there. Mike Pence, of course, is looking like, you know, doing events in Iowa, like what his intentions are. Um, But I think that this relationship between DeSantis and Trump is a very interesting one. And I think it's a bit of a chess game at this point, as they're both making the moves. At some point, the big Republican donors are going to have to cast their lot with somebody. I mean, I guess you could spread it around a little bit. Um, but I guess, you know, Trump waiting, it, again, it's very early. But the longer Trump waits to decide or not, the longer it'll be until that money gets released. Yeah. And listen, we know two years out from a presidential election is not a long time. It probably sounds like it to everybody who gets sick of all of the commercials and the debates and the accusations and dirt and mud flying back and forth. But two years is really not that long when you're talking about lining up national networks, big donors. I mean, those are things that are already because you've seen so many people visiting New Hampshire and Iowa. Those conversations are already happening. Um, And I do think everybody is sort of waiting within the Republican field and the donors and everybody else to see what the former president does. I think he's made his intentions to me pretty clear that he does intend to run. Now, as these legal battles mount for him, um, again, it's a two edged sword because there it will rally some people to him who feel like, hey, what's happening is proving his accusations uh, and his assertions correct. Um, But there are others who will say there's just too much baggage. Let me look at a DeSantis, Pompeo, Pence, whoever else it's going to be. The midterms are even sooner, about 45 days away. Um, House Republicans are unveiling this um, commitment to America. They're calling it, of course, hearkening back to the contract with America uh, that they put out in 1994. Uh, Is this a sign, do you think, that they want the midterms to maybe be more about or at least include their agenda and not exclusively about what they're saying President Biden is doing wrong. Yeah, because I think both sides know, both parties know there's you are definitely going to get to a certain place with voters by saying, look how terrible a job the other side is doing or look how bad the people on the other side are. But at the end of the day, the persuadable voters are going to need something more. They're going to need to see what you think you can get done. And, you know, this is something that Republicans, it worked really well for them in 94 with Newt Gingrich and that historic election and, and, you know, what happened there moving forward. The tricky thing is, is Republicans then are under pressure to deliver these things. There's still, you know, folks out there who are skeptical who say, listen, you told us if we gave you everything, if we put you in charge of everything, you were going to repeal Obamacare and do all this other stuff you guys never did. So there, you know, there aren't, from what I've seen so far of the plan, um, a, a little bit of a preview, there aren't hard and fast and deep details that say this is the exact legislation we're going to get passed. There are broader arenas and areas in which they say they're going to get things done. So I think it's trying to present something positive along with all the negative campaigning that goes on out there, um, but leave themselves some room that when they, if they do um, reclaim the House, that they will work on certain priorities, but they're not tied to specific claims like they were with repealing Obamacare. Right now in Congress, um, we're a week away from the end of the month and another, yet another, uh, you know, possible partial government shutdown looming uh, <laughs> happens it seems like six times a year. I know it's not, but... Um, Feels and, like it. Yeah. And as usual, members of both parties use these funding fights as, as leverage. Um, so what's what's the holdup this time? I know some Republicans want to do something with border security. 
there are so many different things that could potentially be tied to this CR, and there are a number of people on the Hill fighting for it to just be clean. Let's just fund the government for six weeks or whatever we're going to do, and then we'll get back to it. But, right, you talk about the border. You talk about the permitting stuff that Senator Manchin says he was assured would be part of this. There's talk of whether, um, you know, it, it looks like it's gone away for now, but Democrats had talked about this bill, uh, the Respect for Marriage, the Marriage Equality Act, whether they were going to tie that to a funding measure and force Republicans to take a vote on it. Although there's been some bipartisan support for that. So there is a lot of consternation by folks who say we just need to do the clean bill. Let's not tie everything to it, because what happens is, you know, you you heard Senator Manchin out, I believe it was on Wednesday, saying basically, if you don't vote for the permitting deal that I negotiated, which was my vote for the so-called Inflation Reduction Act, then you're shutting down America. And there are people on both sides of the aisle who don't love this idea. Of course, Republicans are going to say, you know, as Lindsey Graham has, this is a deal, um, a political payback. I'm not going to vote for something that has a payback tag, you know, tagged into it. But on the other end, you've got Senator Bernie Sanders saying this doesn't go far enough. I don't like what he's doing with the permitting. It's opening up more oil and gas. There is green permitting that's included in it as well. But progressives don't like it either. So it's tricky. Manchin says it's going to be tied to the CR and you guys are going to have to vote. And so it's going to be tricky to see how they hold this thing together, because I don't think anybody has the appetite for a government shutdown right now. Uh, the next hearing of the House Committee investigating the Capitol riot last January 6th, um, that hearing is next Wednesday. Uh, by the way, parenthetically, Ginny Thomas, Justice Clarence Thomas's wife, has now mm-hmm. agreed to talk uh, to the, the committee about stories that she was in on trying to get the election overturned. But anyway, where do we stand with that committee? Where do we leave off? Well, you know, we had those primetime hearings. We had the case that was going to be made. And just as we talk about rallying, you know, supporters that are at the base of the Republican or Democrat um, parties, I think a lot of people watch those hearings and most of them came out whether they were like totally against the January 6th hearings or totally for the January 6th hearings and, and thought that it really should bear some serious fruit and end up with, you know, indictments and other issues. And and as we know, there are hundreds of people who have been arrested and are being um, prosecuted and many of them already sentenced for criminal behavior and activity they were convicted of that day. I think a lot of people came out of those hearings feeling like, well, didn't change my mind. I'm either totally against it, totally for it. Um, I don't know that it moved the needle for a lot of folks. So, yes, we've got this next hearing next week. Again, this is weeks out from the midterms. We expect to get a report from them later this year. And maybe that comes before the midterms, too. I think they're aiming for October. Um, And then you've got, you know, we know they're continuing to talk to other witnesses, as we know with Jenny Thomas. um, I'm told that's going to happen almost immediately after the hearing on the 28th, pretty quickly in the days afterwards. So, um, who knows what ends up in that final report? I don't know that it's moving the needle on the midterms. President Bibes at the UN this week, um, again, rallying support for Ukraine against the Russian invasion. Vladimir Putin, president of Russia, had come out just before that speech with this nuclear threat. Uh, do you feel like, he, and Putin says, I'm not bluffing, uh, apparently implying that every time he said it before, he was bluffing. Um, should the people of Ukraine and Europe and maybe here be, be worried? What's the end game here? I think it's pretty clear that Putin knows if he takes any action with respect to nuclear weaponry, it is going to be met with serious consequences. I don't think there's any other way to say that. I think that President Biden made our message and our position very clear on that at the United Nations. And, um, you know, there are those out there who are experts on on Putin, have studied him for decades and followed him, and they think that he's not bluffing. There are these people who say he knows exactly what he's doing. Is he trying to go out in a blaze of glory? Things are really falling apart for him in Ukraine. That doesn't mean that that conflict is going to wrap up anytime soon, but it's certainly not going the way the Russians had planned or forecast. So 
it makes him a bit desperate. And when somebody is cornered like that, um, you have to at least take their words at face value and plan for the possibility that they mean it. But I think the U.S. has been exceptionally clear that um, the blowback on that would be potentially world-changing. We'll see where that goes. Yeah, at some point, maybe diplomatically, somebody might want to try to give Putin an off-ramp. I don't know when or mm-hmm. uh, when or what that might be. Um, do you think there's appetite waning at all in Washington for all the money we're sending over there, just billions after billions? Yeah, there are a lot of folks who are raising questions about that. Um, you hear growing numbers of folks on, on the Hill say, you know, there's no sane person who appreciates democracy in the world who doesn't want to help the Ukrainians. They're asking for very specific weaponry. Um, we've we've pivoted many times about what we're sending and, and how much we're sending. Um, there's a burden that I think a lot of folks think needs to be shared more broadly across NATO and other places, um, other Europeans, you know, nations that have pledged to get involved and have gotten involved. But it seems the U.S. is bearing the, you know, heaviest weight of the financial burdens and the, and the weaponry that's getting sent over there. So, you know, this administration has been very worried about looking like it's a proxy war, like just how involved can the U.S. be? But at the same time, we do continue to send billions there. Thanks, Shannon. Shannon Bream, host of Fox News Sunday. Thank you. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. This is Jimmy Fallon with your Fox News commentary coming up. They're making history at the Federal Reserve with a series of aggressive interest rate hikes designed to rein in persistently high inflation. My colleagues and I are strongly committed to bringing inflation back down to our 2% goal. Fed Chair Jay Powell has a long way to go, with inflation still topping 8% in the August report. And while Powell has admitted rate hikes bring pain, he steers clear of worst-case predictions. We don't know. No one knows whether this process will lead to a recession, or if so, how significant that recession would be. Wednesday's hike, the fifth this year, pushes the central bank's benchmark interest rate to its highest level since early 2008. And it came with clear signals that substantial hikes will continue for now. So this was the third 75 basis point rate hike since June. And let me put that in English. That's three quarters of one percent for us mortals who are not Fed chairman. Fox Business's Jerry Willis. But here's what it does. Anybody who has debt in this country, particularly variable rate debt, and that's a lot of us, your costs are going to be higher. And I know you've already seen this pretty dramatically with inflation, but these interest rates going higher are going to affect credit card debt, mortgages, auto loans across the board. For example, the mortgage market, mortgage loans run ahead of the Fed. So you've already seen a near doubling of interest rates on mortgages, 30-year fixed rate mortgages since the beginning of the year. We're already over 6.0%. So that's a big change for the housing market to digest. But when it comes to credit cards, all of us have some credit card debt, right? (laughs) Those rates are at an all-time high right now, 18%. You don't care if you're, you know, paying off your debt every month. But if you roll over debt, this is going to go higher in the next couple of cycles. We're going to be through 20% on these credit cards in short order. That's a huge number. That's 
That's one-fifth more each time. Right? It, it's it's really something to think about. And if you are worried about your credit card debt and not thinking you can pay it off right away, my advice to you is think about some 0% offers. You can roll out over your credit card debt to a credit card with 0% for a locked period of time. Pay that darn thing off. But you've got to follow the terms. It's really buyer beware on that stuff. Uh, I just want to cover one other area here, and that is uh, auto loans. So they're going to go through 6% probably soon, too. And people are paying more than ever for their cars, right? So you really want to think hard uh, before buying uh, in this cycle, because the Fed's going to be doing this for a while. That's the other thing. If you're not paying this debt right now, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not, they don't seem like they're going to take the gas off this uh, more aggressive pace of of rate hikes anytime soon. Um, Historically, would more than 6% be considered a a high rate? Well, your mom and dad probably thought it would have been the best deal (laughs) in the world, right? Because they were paying double ditches, 15, 16% on a 30-year mortgage, which is, I, I mean, it's just hard to imagine. Of course, you know, there's a balancing act between rates and prices on houses, right? One of the things that allowed prices on houses to go so high so quickly is the fact that mortgage rates have been so low for so long. This is now resetting, right? I don't think that homeowners are going to be able to lock those kinds of price gains year to year uh, because of what's going on with interest rates, because that has really sapped the energy out of the housing market. Fewer people are looking and... You know, they're doing things like, and I saw this as much as six months ago, deals are breaking down between the time the person makes the offer and the time it closes because of these higher rates. Mm -hmm. So it's having huge impacts on people. Mm. How is the housing market doing overall? I mean, have these hikes slammed the brakes or only tapped the brakes for now, maybe, on what had been a red hot market? Because, like... You assume people who want to be home buyers are still going to want that eventually, even if they're getting priced out right now. So there's a major slowdown going on. There's no doubt about it. And particularly in those markets that have seen the biggest gains to date. So you look like a Tampa, Orlando, out west, there are a couple of handful of markets, Vegas, all around the country. There's a big slowdown coming For homeowners, and we don't necessarily talk about them, we usually talk about people who want to buy, but a lot of Americans are homeowners. Look, you've had incredible gains over the last few years. You may not have sold, you may not have realized those gains, but if the market pulls back even 10%, Mm -hmm. let's say that happens, I mean, how bad is that if you've had double-digit gains or triple-digit? I mean, we've had enormous price hikes in housing. So homeowners, I think, shouldn't be worried. It's the people who are in the market to buy. Those are the people who are going to be impacted. And at some point here, there's going to be opportunity. The question is, can you afford the interest rate? What a lot of people are doing is that they're doing, uh, you know, an interim period, 15-year fixed a 30-year mortgage with an introductory period that's fixed so that they at least can get into the house. And that's fine. I know a lot of people don't recommend that. I've done it myself. You just have to change that mortgage down the road. Uh, But that allows you to lock in a little lower rate for a period of time, and hopefully you can change that loan later. Right. Hopefully we refinance at some point if they come back down. Um, Is 
demand for housing in general, is it still being caught up in pandemic-related trends, or is it really the price factors and the interest rates that are moving more of the market now? Or is it really it's hard to tell? Well, it's hard to tell, but looking forward, what I would say is that there's less and less of that impact because we've got all these employers all over the country demanding that people come back to work. They're practically threatening workers to get back. And we saw big bumps uh, in people commuting into the city higher on Metro North, Long Island Railroad. I mean, there are people coming back. But one of the numbers that really confounded me, and this was a national number of major metro areas, the number of people coming back into the office, the proportion, and this is from a company that measures swipes as you come in. You know, when mm-hmm. you've got a card, you have to swipe it as you come into the building. 47%. So not even half of us, and they thought it was a big win. Not even half of us are back. So there's a long way to go. But this is starting to have an impact on housing. I think the bigger things in the next 12 to 18 months are going to be interest rates, A, number one, and the economy itself. We are likely headed into the teeth of a recession. The bigger question is, how deep will it be and how long will it be? Mm. What about the impact on the sort of corporate investors um, who bought homes, driving up prices? Is that trend leveling off a bit now or expected to? I think that's such a great question because I think they've had a huge impact on the market, especially those Wall Streeters who came in and started snapping up all these houses and contributing to these price hikes. I'm seeing that trend waning a little bit, but they're already there. And the big unanswered question in my mind, these are investors who are used to getting in the market and getting out when things don't go their way. They move in and out. And if they do that now... They could cause prices to decline more precipitously. So we're going to have to keep an eye on that marketplace. There has been a return recently to some lending practices that raise concern. How dangerous is that for the market? Is it is it widespread enough to be a real concern? Well, there's zero down loans and they're being done in markets, typically urban and for Hispanic customers, African-American customers. It's very limited in what's going on, but it is happening. Typically, that's a sign of a top. It's a sign of problems down the road, and it may be the same thing right now. It's not something we like to see in the marketplace because it tends to signal you know, issues that may come down the road. But I have to tell you, that's not the thing that's going to bring this market down. I think the people who are going to suffer the most in any kind of housing meltdown, and I I don't think it's going to be anything like the previous one we saw, it's going to be builders, mom and pop builders out there who have been throwing up houses and thought this was going to last forever. These small business operators are going to be in big, big trouble. These rising interest rates, I know, are actually costing the federal government and therefore taxpayers um, more money as well, because then we owe more on the national debt, right? Is that something the Fed even takes into consideration? That's a great question, too. Um, so it's going to cost uh, the federal government $2.1 trillion over the next 10 years, just this 75 basis point rate hike. So, yes, it does make our debt more expensive, and that's a real problem. I mean, ask Greece, right? Remember how Greece completely fell apart because of higher interest rates, bigger debt burdens, people don't want to buy it, companies don't want to buy your debt. So I think it's a real issue, and it's only going to make things worse for taxpayers down the road. Keep an eye on it. Look, our federal debt right now, yesterday I checked, it was just under $31 trillion. 
dollars. And who does that rebound to? It rebounds to you and me. It rebounds to taxpayers. Did we get complacent? And I'm not sure if complacent is the right word, lulled into a false sense of what's realistic in terms of rates being as low as they were for so long. This financed so much for Americans, these low rates. You could buy a fantastic house, a car. We got so used to having low interest rates and a fantastic stock market at the same time, right? We've had a go-go stock market for a number of years now. Those two things have added to Americans' wealth, not to mention the fact that the federal government threw a lot of money at people uh, during the pandemic. So now you're really going to have to watch your dollars and cents, right? I mean, I hate to be the person to say this, and clearly a lot of people out there are finding opportunities in every market, which is great. But it's going to become more difficult, I think, because we're going to go into a period of a slowdown. So you're going to have to think about, okay, what do I do now that what's normal is changing? Mm, Could get worse before it gets better. But it will get better ultimately, right? I mean, we will see a return to more normal. I mean, I think it's great that the market is resetting. That will open up opportunities down the road. Interest rates resetting means that this economy will get on a more firm footing. The fact that we have so much debt uh, is worrisome now that the federal government is slowing down that spending, or presumably they will since we're through the pandemic. That's good news. There's lots of reasons to be optimistic. As usual, though, you just have to understand the context, what's going on around you, and respond to those issues. Fox Business' Jerry Willis, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Rate and review the Fox News Rundown on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And now, some good news with Tanya J. Powers. People in New Orleans got some help repairing their hurricane-damaged roofs recently thanks to a star of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Anthony Mackie, who currently plays Captain America, returned to his hometown to help people in his old neighborhood fix their tarp-covered roofs that were damaged last year when Hurricane Ida swept through. Mackie is working with roofing manufacturer GAF on the project, which is close to his heart. He grew up in New Orleans working at his family's roofing business, Mackie One Construction. GAF says it has committed to installing 500 roofs throughout the Gulf region, including 150 in the 7th Ward of New Orleans, which was hit hard by Hurricane Katrina in 2005, and then Ida on the same day 16 years later. Tanya J. Powers, Fox News. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Jimmy Fallon. What's on your mind? The economy's in a recession. The border's out of control. And the only thing higher than inflation are the people who think Biden's doing a good job of handling it. But none of that will stop our president from bursting into song on the White House lawn again tonight. Yup, the White House announced Wednesday that Sir Elton John will perform on the South Lawn tonight in a made-for-TV special called A Night When Hope and History Rhyme. 
Sir Elton will take the stage less than two weeks after James Taylor headlined a tone-deaf inflation reduction party, which coincided with a 1,200-point stock market crash that literally heaped fire and rain onto people's 401ks. The president took all kinds of heat for the bad optics, but in typical Biden fashion, he's refusing to quit while he's behind, bringing in yet another singer in his mid-70s. Which is only fair when you consider the percentage of voters who think our country's headed in the wrong direction is also in the mid-70s. Now, to be clear, I don't have a problem with Elton John bringing down the house with his biggest hits. I just wish it came at a time when Biden wasn't bringing down the country with his biggest policies. To put it in Elton John terms, this whole administration has been filled with sad songs. And it's hard to see voters forgiving the president simply because he brought in another singer whose best albums are available on 8-track. For those of you under 45, the 8-track was a music format that predated something called the cassette, which predated something called the compact disc. Sir Elton's sing-along is Democrat 101 in that it won't address a single solitary issue facing Americans, but it will hope to win them over with another ham-handed bonding attempt. Sure, it's not as bad as Jill Biden trying to court Latinos by calling them breakfast tacos, but busting out Elton John to sing Sacrifice while 65% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck in a never-ending cycle of sacrifice is a terrible terrible look for a party that's constantly branded as being out of touch with voters. I mean, why not send Madonna down to Eagle Pass, Texas to sing Borderline while you're at it? Point being, Sir Elton John is a pop culture icon, adored the world over, and I'm sure he'll crush it on the White House lawn. But when the applause fades and the Secret Service packs up his piano, he shouldn't be surprised to see Joe Biden starting a farewell tour of his own. Be sure to listen to Fox Across America with me, Jimmy Fallon, weekdays from noon to 3 on the Fox News app and 115 stations around the country. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Put the power of over 100 meteorologists and the worldwide resources of Fox in your hands with the Fox Weather Podcast. Precise, personal, powerful. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity Podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.